This is a total package Lex Luger, and you are turned into the Fat Chief. What's going on, family? Happy Monday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction. I'm your man, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Another jam-packed weekend in the world of pro wrestling, and we're going to be talking about quite a bit of it, so stay tuned for that. Shout out to all of you who are joining us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at The Faction Show. We really appreciate you. Shout out to all of you who are joining us as well via podcast in spaces like Spotify, Google, Apple, all of those spaces. Thank you so much for your continued support of The Faction. These things really do mean the world. And I am honored and privileged that you guys are choosing to hang out with us as your favorite wrestling podcast. As some of you have been telling us, which I'm just amazed by, that you guys really pay attention to what we're doing. So I don't take that for granted. Thank you so very much. So we're coming off of a very full week in pro wrestling. We're getting ready to go into another full week in pro wrestling. And so before we get into that, I want to remind you that you can get your brand new Bet On You t-shirt, part of our new merch line that you can find at prowrestlingtees.com slash bonnerfied. In finding it there, you'll find two colors. There's black and military green i've actually been pleasantly surprised at how many of you have been going after the military green which hits completely different i love it you know in the world of pro wrestling there's a lot of black t-shirts and so we wanted to offer an alternative and a lot of you have taken us up on that so by all means head over to prowrestlingtees.com slash bonafide and check it out you will absolutely enjoy the shirts and uh, shout out to all of you who have already purchased it really means the world okay so there's a lot to get to And there's a few ways we're going to do it. I want to kind of backtrack and start with some things from AEW and then see if it leads us into WWE or if that conversation needs to happen in a completely separate episode. If it does, we'll just drop a second episode. It's that simple, right? So let's start here with MJF in AEW. So by now, you've probably seen and heard the pipe bomb that he dropped which a lot of people were going to be interested in anyway off the heels of a very controversial double or nothing weekend where he no showed several fan events where it was questioned whether or not he'd actually show for double or nothing he showed but then left immediately after his match and he showed up during the buy-in so usually wrestlers show up to the event and they have a call time probably about six or seven hours before for him to show up barely an hour before his scheduled match was wild. So with all of that said, there's been a lot going on. Well, MJF absolutely took us behind the wall, told us what was going on, expressed his concern, and then bounced. And what was interesting to me, first let me say this. A lot of folks have been asking the question, is it a work, is it a shoot? And here's what I want to say to that. I think it is a sad day in the world of pro wrestling where all we ever ask when we see these things are, is it a work or is it a shoot? I think it is a statement that unfortunately the pro wrestling industry has allowed fans too far behind the velvet rope. And so we don't really go off of what we see and what we feel. People are still asking, is it a work or a shoot when it comes to Naomi and Sasha? And here's what I want to say. I think 
The reason this is dangerous by asking that is, of course, we all become armchair quarterbacks, right? We all become armchair bookers and we write out our own stories in our heads. I think what pro wrestling has proven to us is while there are great stories that are told, going too far into the details actually doesn't work for the average pro wrestling fan. This is why everybody wasn't a fan of Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder and all things Shondaland. The writing there is one of those things that required a lot of deep thought, a lot of introspection, and a lot of folks aren't really trying to do that in the world of pro wrestling. So that's why I think we have to get out of this idea of is it a work or is it a shoot? Because truth be told, neither of the creative teams in AEW or WWE have proven to be Shonda Rhimes, right? They haven't proven to pay that level of detail to these stories to the point where they're going to stop people's travel, to the point where they take people off of their website and remove their merch from their store. That's an awfully far way to go to build or to continue a storyline. So you're going to actually take money out of people's mouths to keep a storyline going. That's not how this works, family. So I just want to tell you, do yourself a favor and stop asking yourself if it's a work or a shoot. I'm pretty sure some folks thought the same thing last night when Cody Rhodes chose to perform in the main event of Hell in a Cell with a clearly ripped tendon on his pectoral, right? The pectoral ripped off the bone and you see the bruising and I'm sure there are people who are running around saying, oh, that was just makeup. Oh, that's not real. We've got to do better, family, because what ends up happening is when something real is presented to you, because we're so skeptical, we then turn around and not believe it. And then sometimes it can be too late if somebody gets injured, if something tragic happens, it becomes too late because the signs were right in front of us and we didn't pay attention because we were too busy playing these armchair booking games. So. Let's just get back to being fans and enjoying the product, okay? Everybody can't do a podcast, and everybody shouldn't do a podcast. Everybody's not going to be behind the scenes. Let's just deal with what we are being presented so we can enjoy the product, okay? Now that I've gotten that out of my system, and I hope you're still with us, (laughs) MJF. This situation is serious, and I think what's intriguing after watching the MJF pipe bomb is he's right. At no point did he lie, and so I'll just say this. No, he didn't lie. He is better than most of the folks that are on the roster. It is factual that a lot of the ex-WWE superstars are getting paid more but don't have the type of effect that MJF has. He's clearly the number one heel in the company and kind of the idea of whatever they wanted him to do may have even backfired because when your heel starts getting cheered, that's problematic. That's not what you want. So I think if I'm AEW, I am figuring out how much does MJF need to get paid so he wants to stay because if you let MJF go to WWE, I think Cody Rhodes is proof that WWE will handle a star of that caliber well. 
So we've had some people, you know, hop on the socials and they looked at several other examples of talent in WWE that are being misused. And I think we have to be able to acknowledge that two things can be true at the same time. It is very clear that WWE has misused a number of their talents. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. And that was why a number of people were concerned when Cody Rhodes made the jump. However, it's pretty clear that Cody Rhodes making the jump was a great move for Cody Rhodes and for WWE. You could argue he's one of the most popular superstars in all of WWE. And uh, yeah, he's been handled very, very well. I think MJF will be handled equally well once he makes a move over to WWE, should that actually happen. So with all that said, the MJF pipe bomb, a very big deal, continuing what has been a rather challenging week for AEW coming off of a double or nothing pay-per-view that didn't really hit the mark as is the opinion of many fans myself included considering also that it ran super long there's not been any apologies and then given dynamite so yeah it's been a very very busy week and the hits continue for AEW I'll tell you what else has been happening in AEW when we come back I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here forward a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a been Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas Vegas here at Southern Honor Wrestling. Chris, what? Jericho is here and Georgia is going. 
He literally put him through the windshield. windshield. And he's through the windshield. And, and that's it. Ring the bell. He put him through the windshield. And hold your forks because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. All right, guys. So AEW's week has been very interesting. There was the Double or Nothing pay-per-view last Sunday, which, again, was hit or miss in terms of in-ring content, in terms of length, et cetera, et cetera. Then we have the MJF pipe bomb that happens Wednesday night. Well, before we get to Rampage, there's also news about Wednesday night. So Wednesday night's Dynamite. What happened there is, if you watched the show, you saw it actually ran over. So again, AEW's having some issues when it comes to time. So we've got that. But then on top of that, coming out of Dynamite, are reports that Thunder Rosa, the current AEW Women's World Champion, is very unhappy in AEW. She's unhappy because of the lack of TV time that she's been receiving. And let's think about this. So AEW's male world champion, CM Punk, starts the show for Dynamite. But then the women's world champion is not even mentioned on the show. There are no highlights of her match, and she does not get TV time. She's not really been getting much TV time since winning the world championship. So what's happening here? I think it's a couple of things that are safe to say when you look at AEW's women's division. First and foremost, it's pretty safe to say the most popular superstar on the women's roster in AEW is Jade Cargill, the TBS champion. A title that's supposed to be a mid-card title is now right now on the most popular women's superstar in the company. Britt Baker seems to still very much be in the upper echelon of AEW's women's division as she is the winner of the women's Owen Hart tournament. So she's got that belt that she's parading around. And while we don't know what all of the winners of the Owen Hart tournament end up getting in terms of their status in AEW, we do know that Britt Baker is still very much around the title picture though she's not been offered a rematch as of yet for the AEW Women's World Championship. So if you've got Jade Cargill and the baddies doing what they do, Dr. Britt Baker and her crew doing what they do, where does that leave Thunder Rosa, the Women's World Champion? Well, in the pecking order, it's definitely clear that she's not number one. She's barely fighting for two and probably could be more accurately described as number three. It's also interesting that on Dynamite you had Jade Cargill, Athena, the newest addition to the AEW roster, Britt Baker. They all ended up on television, but no Thunder Rosa. So this could be problematic if you're AEW. And if I'm AEW, I'm trying to figure out what in the world do I do to keep your women's world champion happy? This is, I believe, indicative of a larger issue that AEW has. And this is the issue. When you grow and you grow too fast, but you don't have an infrastructure to support this level of growth. So here they are three years into the game, just celebrating their three year anniversary at Double or Nothing. 
And where is AEW now in comparison to where they were when they started AEW? Well, of course, back in October of 2019 is when Dynamite began. Dynamite was a two-hour program. Then shortly after that, they started adding AEW Dark, which during the pandemic, Dark went from literally being a 45-minute show to at times a two-and-a-half-hour show. Then there was the addition of AEW Dark Elevation, another internet-based show that airs on YouTube. Then there was the announcement of AEW Rampage, a one-hour show on TNT. They've moved Dynamite from TNT to TBS, so now they have two shows on two different Turner networks. That sounds great, but what you have ultimately is three hours of television, just three. Here's why we don't count AEW Dark, because AEW Dark is not on television. It's on the internet, and while that could be a space for some people, it is not getting the level of prestige or pay that appearing on Dynamite and Rampage will do. Let's also add to that AEW's purchase of Ring of Honor. So you now have some Ring of Honor stars, all of the Ring of Honor titles, and with that, you have had the women's title defended, you've had the tag title defended, you've had the TV title defended, and you've had the world championship defended. That's four additional titles on top of your men's title, your TNT title, the AEW women's world title, the TBS title, which is a women's championship, and the tag titles for AEW. That's nine championships that potentially end up on your television over a three-hour period. Add to that the incredible addition of stars like a CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Malachi Black, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, all of these amazing stars. It now becomes extremely crowded on Dynamite and Rampage. If you look at it, what Dynamite does in two hours, other shows might do in four or maybe even five. They really squeeze a lot into that two hours and things move at a breakneck pace because there are so many people on the roster. So now we've got to ask ourselves, has AEW grown too quickly too soon? Three years in, only three hours of television and an extremely large roster. What happens here? Well, I think a few things have to happen. You're either going to need additional television time or you're going to need to reduce the roster or you're going to need to figure out how do you make dark and elevation work for you and how do you make social media work for you in terms of being able to push storylines, move the needle with certain artists, all of those types of things. You've got to consider all of that. And I don't know if that is front of brain right now for AEW, which again makes what's happening with MJF super significant, makes this Thunder Rosa complaint super significant. And if that's not enough, Friday night on a live episode of Rampage, we find out that CM Punk is injured. He has a bad wheel, which leaves us to assume that there is a leg injury. He was also limping. He can't wrestle. We don't know how long CM Punk is going to be out. CM Punk said that he wanted to relinquish the AEW World Championship and give the opportunity to someone else to actually carry the ball. Tony Khan says, no, you will not give up the title. Instead, we'll create an opportunity for an AEW interim 
world champion. So what ends up happening is this coming Wednesday on Dynamite, there will be a battle royal to start the show. The winner of that battle royal takes on John Moxley at the end of Dynamite. The winner of that match will go on to the Forbidden Door pay-per-view to battle the winner of Hiroshi Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto. That match is happening this weekend at New Japan Dominion. And from there, those two will battle to determine the interim AEW world champion. So here's my thoughts on this. I don't like this idea of an interim champion. I've never liked the idea of an interim champion. And this has been a trademark of Tony Khan. Let's go back to the TNT title earlier this year, which is really where we started seeing all of this, when Cody Rhodes was out on injury. He was out due to COVID. He was only going to be out for a couple of weeks. But being out two weeks prompted Tony Khan to create an interim TNT champion. The interim TNT champion would end up battling at Battle of the Belts, Sammy Guevara against Dustin Rhodes. Sammy wins, becomes the interim TNT champion, and then about a week later, you have a unification match. So here's the deal. Where I think this is somewhat problematic is where are the rules surrounding titles? Now, it has seemingly been a traditional rule in wrestling that, you know, you have to defend the title in 30 days. But that is now based on promotion. Brock Lesnar kind of threw that out of the window in WWE when he would go months on end without defending the world championship. There has not been anything made public in AEW in terms of how champions are treated, meaning is there a requirement to defend the title in 30 days, 60 days, etc.? In New Japan, I believe it is like 90 days or so, something around that. It's certainly much larger than 30 and 60 days in terms of when you have a title defense. These rules are important because I think they help govern what should happen with championships. So is CM Punk going to be out for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, if he requires surgery on his leg, it's pretty safe to say that he's not coming back in two weeks. He's probably not coming back in 30 days. So then, if you're going to have a champion that's out for more than 30 days, why do we have an interim champion? Now, this interim championship also happened in April or so when Deanna Perrazzo was unable to make Ring of Honor's pay-per-view event. And she couldn't make that event because she had an Impact title match that same night. So what happens is Tony Khan creates an interim Women's World Championship for Ring of Honor that's one by Mercedes Martinez that ultimately leads to a title unification match, which happens just a couple of weeks later. So this interim championship thing, I don't like. It doesn't make sense. You don't need an interim champion if your champion is out for less than 30 days. Now, I'll say this. They're not the first to do the interim championship thing. NXT did the interim cruiserweight championship idea, and they did that when the then-champion Jordan Devlin was unable to travel to the United States to defend his championship due to COVID restrictions. This was right at the start of the pandemic. So they created an interim cruiserweight championship. Ultimately, that would lead to a title unification, which happened almost a year later, something around that time, right? So with all of that said, it does not make sense to have an interim AEW world champion. Just let Punk relinquish the championship, 
create an opportunity for a new world champion, and then have it so where when Punk is healthy, he ends up getting a shot at the title when he returns. The reason that this term interim is not good is because it puts an asterisk by the name of whoever the champion is as though they're not a real champion it puts air quotes around them and that's not fair if the champion is out of action so i don't like this i'm not saying that they shouldn't do the process i'm saying you shouldn't call it your interim world champion let them be the aew world champion because the interim piece just adds something different and it makes me wonder now If you're going to have an interim world champion, will that world champion come from New Japan Pro Wrestling? So this all gets interesting. It gets very interesting. But CM Punk on the shelf, he's the most popular guy in AEW. Your biggest heel in AEW, MJF, wants out. Your women's world champion is unhappy. Challenging times right now for AEW. I'm very interested to see how they will respond and how they'll rebound. What do you think AEW should do as a result of all that's happened this week? Let us know on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. So with that said, we're going to save our recap of Hell in a Cell weekend for the next episode. So you have to tune in for that and we can relive all things NXT in your house and Hell in a Cell. We'll talk about all of that on the next episode. Make sure you're following us on the socials at The Faction Show. We want to hear your thoughts about today's show. So reach out to us there and also share what we're doing with your friends and your social space because that will make all the difference and continue to spread this goodness to the rest of the wrestling world. Last but not least, two big shows happening this weekend. Of course, New Japan's Dominion is going down this weekend. Also, SHW 40 is happening. And the next Battle Slam is going down. Battle Slam Fight for Atlanta. That's all happening this weekend. I'll be doing commentary at SHW 40 and Battle Slam as well. And hopefully you can get here to Atlanta, make a whole weekend for both of those shows. We do know that both of them are being taped for TV. SHW will appear on IWTV, and we know that Battle Slam will appear on Fight TV. So hopefully you'll be able to make it to the tapings of both. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, the EP, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I need my people.